the day we get to talk about Madam Web, then I can really shine. Start your sublight engines. It's time for RuPaul's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Except, in case you missed it from last week's episode, um, we are returning with our new series of special episodes called RuPaul's Day Off, where each episode we talk about one non-Star Wars piece of media we all love. For the second installment of our series, we are going to be talking about the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And no, this does not mean that we have become a horror podcast or a Blumhouse Productions fan podcast. Um, It just happened to be something that we wanted to talk about. Um, Given the fact that we did talk about it last week in last week's episode, I think that's very funny. Um, My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. Um, And my, my, (laughs) my gender this week is, is... Is Five Nights at Freddy's Scott Cawthon's Zootopia um, abortion comic? Because if you think about it, I hate you. If you think about it, if you guys didn't know, Scott Cawthon. No, at no point. No, no, no. At no point does Freddy Fazbear run for president and win. So it is not. I think you could probably say the games that he made that are anti-abortion are his Zootopia abortion comic. Well, that's what I. That's what I mean. Is then he? I'm just saying, like. Who did it better? I think, you know, like I think it, we lost the plot on this gender yeah, investigation. Abortion comic did it best. <laughs> yeah, what Mel said. The point of Claudia's joke is that Scott Cawthon, who is the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, is um not a good person. So just so you know, just so we're acknowledging at the top, but also most of the people who know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's will probably agree. <laughs> so. Hi, I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Kawaii Jessio. My gender this week would be a lot funnier if I knew how to whistle, but it's just the whistle headed of Josh Hutcherson. So true. Jess, would you yeah. like to explain that meme to the people who may not be as online as we are? Like, a la Josh Hutcherson, who found out about it from his brother. Yeah, Josh Hutcherson literally just found out recently. Which slay for Josh Hutcherson and his um, brother who has a boyfriend. We love an ally. Ally. I think Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> do you guys remember when Josh Hutcherson was like, I could see my soulmate being a man? Yeah. I, yeah. Good for him. Good for I him. I love that for him. The Josh Hutcherson whistle edit um, is an edit that was originally, I guess, from 2014 that someone had re-uploaded when <laughs> the FNAF movie came out. And then it kind of was like the Rickroll for a while because you think it's a normal fucking video like on TikTok or something you're about to see. And then somebody's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> the fucking whistling starts and you see this old picture of Josh Hutcherson that I think is also from 2014 that has like a purple filter over it. And it's just him playing that fucking and that song. It's not even the original like... Um, version of the song. I think it is a cover, but I forget who the person who covered the song was. That's, yeah, that's too good. That's incredible. Uh, I'm Noah. My pronouns are he/him. You can find me on social media pretty much anywhere at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is Neon Fursuit Evangelion, alternatively titled Get in the Robot Abby. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yo, we will we will 
discuss we will discuss this later the comparisons of the evangelion we will be because we brought it up on this podcast before there's that one scene i haven't seen it there's that one scene where that girl gets stabbed is that not a lot like springlock suit you mean not really at all actually when asuka gets stabbed to the eye her we were like let's talk about it later and then proceeded to talk about it immediately (laughs) the the bite of 80 the bite of 87 versus asuka getting well actually stabbed anyway the bite of 87 and the bite of 83 are two different things so i forgot there's also the bite of 87 technically technically the bite of 87 was like retconned so the bite of 87 never even took place because it was replaced with the bite of 83 in a way anyway. it's a lot like evangelion because there's like six endings hi my name is mel i use they them pronouns you can find me on social media um at melvin kalpa and my gender this week is oh i forgot it <laughs> wait no no i didn't no i didn't my gender this week is a poster in nebraska that poster in nebraska <laughs> We found so each true. other. Well, we actually, we lost our, we lost, our brother. I lost Garrett. We I lost, lost our brother. I lost my brother in a dirty car on the forest floor. I I I will say I do love the idea. Um, I love the idea of instead of the instead of Freddie making that fuck ass jingle noise when he's about to murder someone, he starts playing a house in Nebraska, like just through the speaker. <laughs> exactly exactly Um, ethel kane's five nights at freddy's wait i would watch that that's what this episode's gonna have to be called my name is ollie i use any pronouns you can find me on social media at ollie fresh it's fresh with a ph and my gender this week it's very timely so if you're listening to this episode later sorry but last week we announced we were doing a Five Nights at Freddy's episode, and then Matt Pat heard about that and he retired because he knew that he couldn't <laughs> stand up to us. Like he knew we were going to be those his girls. Career? Like yeah. so I'm saying, my gender this week is us ending Matt Pat's career. In a lot of ways, the greatest threat to an internet theorist about uh, giant robot fursuits is a queer Star Wars podcast. So I, so I couldn't I agree more. This is my pitch where we should be the next the next host of game theory. I feel like that's like a character. I feel like that's like it's like it follows. Exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say to date this episode even further, he literally just announced that yesterday from when we were recording. So Five nights different. He knew we were gonna record this episode and he's like, it's time to pass the baton. Here you go, take the toy. This is actually, we're actually announcing that we are the new hosts. I know I was kind of joking about it, um, but so, so guys, you'll be seeing a lot of our faces on that channel. So be excited. Well, but that's just a theory. That's just a theory. That's just a theory. (laughs) I just remembered what my gender was originally supposed to be. It was supposed to be about Doug, but we'll, we'll unpack Doug later. Do we want to start the same way we attempted to start the last episode, which is giving a non-spoiler pitch for either FNAF, what it is, what it's not, um, or 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 just the movie? Some someone someone like to give the pitch. I can. I feel like I always talk so much in our episodes, and that makes me self-conscious. But I can say what I would say is FNAF stands for Five Nights at Freddy's. 
which is a franchise that started as a video game in which you play as a night guard who is guarding a pizza place where there are animatronics that come to life and are like, we are going to kill you in the night. And then the movie is based on that. And a lot of the, the fun thing about the game, at least for the first four games, everyone's like, oh my God, there's so much lore. It's so confusing. There's not that much lore, but it's deeply confusing. So don't get it twisted. But the point is, is that the game, the movie takes place in like a different universe, but has the same general premise of like, this guy gets a job as a night guard at this shutdown pizza place. And then the animatronics are haunted, maybe, or alive somehow. And in the movie, it is a lot clear. The story is a lot clearer than it is in the games. You don't have to look at pictures on the wall in the background to try to decipher what is happening or the source code or look at the or, or convert the con- like the conversion rates that you see on a check for the minimum wage in the game to figure out what year the game takes place it's pretty it it, it kind of tells you all would that you stuff like, would you like to explain to the class what that is referring to no no i will um matt pat um who we mentioned <laughs> matthew patrick um rest in heaven he is the host of of uh, game theory which is Insane because Matt Pat has made so many fucking videos about the lore of the Five Nights at Freddy's game because it is so confusing. Um, and not again, because it is not as just confusing, but very hard to get because until like the last, like the fourth game, you don't really get a whole lot of like the actual lore explained in game. A lot of it is through, like I said, pictures on the walls. Or there was one time where in the first game at the end, after the fifth night, you get a check that says to Mike Schmidt. And then it has like a like the 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 amount that he got paid. So Matt Pat years ago went like found how much the minimum wage would be for a couple different years and ran the calculations and was like, okay, I think this game takes place in this year. And then the creator of the game was like, oh my god, that's right. <laughs> um, but that being said, Matt Pat was also wrong about a lot of things. So stay curious. But it was just a theory. But the point is, really, the the point of Five Nights at Freddy's is that it's like fucked up, fucked up animatronics come to life and try to kill a man sitting in front of cameras. What will happen? As I said in our earlier, this I know this has become a theme on this podcast where we cover pieces of media where a fucked up a fucked up thing comes to life. Um, last week it was Megan. This time it's Freddy Fazbear. Um. Um, no, I was just going to take issue with the fact that you called her fucked up. In a, in yeah. a, in a loving way. I, I, like, again, I'm not saying that as a hater. Um, although I need to call Claudia out because she is a hater for this movie. No, no. She I, said she didn't enjoy hey, this movie. I, we keep, Claudia we keep... said she wanted to kill Freddy Fazbear <laughs> with her bare well, hands. Well, isn't that... She did isn't, nothing wrong. Isn't that the point? Okay, but... I was going to have nuance to that statement. Okay, spoiling it, Jess. I just like to cause problems. <laughs> That's kind of the initial pitch. Um, does anyone else have anything on like how they would pitch this movie to people? Because I think, to clarify, we're talking about the game, but we are specifically talking about the movie. No one is saying, like, oh my god, you have to have played the games or understand the game more. Because, again, and, and- it's very confusing and there is much debate about it. Also, I have to make it clear, I've only played the first game, but then I watched an eight-hour video explaining the lore after I watched the movie, so that's how I know. That's how I have knowledge. 
So if anything that guy said was wrong, then I'm fucked. I'm wrong. So what is all of our connection to FNAF like? Because for me, it is. I think I played the first game like once. I was really bad at it. Um, I had never, I had never watched a MatPat video. I knew of it in the background, and it's just everywhere. Um, my nephew makes um FNAF masks out of three D print, three pr- D printing. I can post a picture of them. They're pretty slayful. Um, and and then I watched the movie, so I have the least amount of knowledge here, probably of anyone. So, <laughs> um, I am deeply fucked up. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, you know, FNAF came out, what, 2014? That was the same year I graduated high school. I'm aging myself now. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I played the first game, and then I was like, that was fun. I watched Markiplier, who he is the self-proclaimed king of FNAF. And then I... Uh, did not pay attention to FNAF for a few years and then decided after I think the fourth game and I was just like, what happened with this? And then deep dived into the lore because I'm, like I said, a fucked up little guy <laughs> who when I hyper fixate on something, I need to know everything. <laughs> so yeah, there's also a lot of things with like books and like I think comics also for FNAF that also kind of have their own lore that's even more confusing. There are a lot of books, um, and the creative team has said these books are not canon to the mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to the game, and the books are not canon to the movies, the movies are not canon to the games. Basically, every entity is its own thing. The FNAF multiverse, if you will. <laughs> the multiverse of FNAFness? <gasps> wait i just have to say this it's a lot like evangelion in that sense because that, that no, it, it does it does, it does have shut several continents it up. has the same concept and also it has several continuities okay no no can i just can i just say can i just say this specifically because this just took me out claudia said with her whole chest and with no doubt in her mind it has the same concept in reference to Neon Genesis Evangelion and Five Nights at Freddy's. No, but if you think about it, it, it it's they're they're piloting the shit that has a soul in it. It's the same fucking thing. Well, well, no, because mm. how do I tell you this? First of all, unless I'm missing something, Five Nights at Freddy's is never like we have to use Christian imagery now to talk about which the is themes of which it, is so. well we don't know well that. which is <laughs> funny considering the creator <laughs> is Freddy Fazbear and Jesus on the cross anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> has become Catholic. <laughs> Talk about like I don't know my personal history with FNAF to age myself as well. This the first game came out when I was in eighth grade. Good God, you're young. Um, <laughs> so I was a I was a child. Um, and one thing about me is that when anything scares me at all, I'm like, if I simply learn everything there is to know about it, I will be invincible and I'll be totally safe. And so, so when the first true, game came out, Noah. I was like. I was like, that's kind of scary. I don't know. A big robot that like tries to kill you. I'm a little bit afraid of that. I don't like Chuck E. Cheese. I don't trust him. And so I watched like that original FNAF 1 video that Matt Pat made. And I was like, okay, I've got it. I know what's going on in this game. It's totally fine. And then like years went by and more of the games came out and the lore just continued to grow in complexity and then cut to like last week. Well, I mean, longer than that, but like 
not that long ago and I'm hearing this like insane monologue on TikTok that's a recording of something else and I'm like this is like kind of well written. I don't know what it's about though. And then I look it up, and it's fu- it's from fucking is it, FNAF. Is it the Henry Emily monologue? And he's like, yeah, it's like gonna, is it the yep. Henry Emily monologue? William Afton. And I was like, is that's that crazy. What, what the hell happened in these games? It, yeah. Um, I was like, what the hell happened in these games? And so then I like found this TikTok that's a collective twenty minutes. It's like the quick and dry summary version, and I was like, okay. I guess I know what's going on. <laughs> it's fucking crazy though. Like the lore got went off the rails really the second that the that they were like we should make a game number two. Then it went full crisis mode. Is there someone here who would like to give a quick a quick recap of the insane lore? You can't. Like, there's not a no, quick there's, recap. There's no there's way not, you can the, do that. The, I, I, the not the I, quickest recap that I've ever seen genuinely clocks in at thirty minutes long. Then that is the um, fastest version I've ever encountered. Local serial killer slash inventor slash father has a pizzeria with a friend and they have some animatronics, murder happens, and there are children ghosts possessing animatronics perhaps comma <laughs> you will die <laughs> yeah watching the cameras <laughs> of this location at night why'd for you, five nights why'd you say it like that were you being told by that the word like like, yes i was <laughs> <laughs> i also um it is true that souls possess robots, but if I'm not mistaken, at one point the robots that are possessed by souls do end up possessing a person because they sort of crawl oh, around yeah, yeah, yeah. and walk around. Wait, what? Like, Claudia, I'm telling you, this is what I when we say you can't do a fast summary of the lore. It's like I can tell you, it's like guy is like, I'm fucked up. I'm going to kill five kids. His business partner is like, no, you're not. Except that's not how it actually happens because they kind of, so, so basically he, so, so I can't, I literally, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it in a simple no, way. No, 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 listen, no. I've watched, no, Ollie, I've watched several videos. I, I completely understand why it's impossible. I'm just saying just to give like a general outline. I do have a question for, I do have a question. Does anyone know why he starts murdering people? Just because he's crazy? He's fucked up. Because he's fucked up and crazy. Does he have no reason? Okay. He's fighting against his baby girl tendencies. He's acting out. Okay, so w- oh, what yeah. you're saying is oh, that... his baby girl is William Afton. I just think he's funny. I just think it's funny. I'm sorry. So, I, I, so what you're saying is, is that Megan was justified and William Afton is not. Great. Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm saying that <laughs> Megan is not justified and William Afton is. Because <laughs> I hate women. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. But I'm not going to uh, tell you how. There's, there's also, like, I guess before the five kids, technically the first child he ever killed was his business partner's kid. The first child who dies is um his son. I've seen, like, some theories where they think actually his daughter died first and then his son. And then it's just Michael who's like, nope. what the fuck? His daughter was, like, at the birthday party. Because okay. the sister location place was actually like first. Yeah, that I mean that is true, but So yeah, yeah, you see now we're confusing ourselves anyway. 
we are having this conversation as two people who know some stuff about FNAF, but aren't like FNAF crazy. But that being said, this is like what conversation sounds like by people who know like every single piece of lore because there's so much stuff that people can't agree on. I I mm-hmm. I hate to say it. This is exactly like what every conversation was like with me when I finished Evangelion for the first time and called up three of my Oh wait, my god, we wait, can't hold keep on, doing hold this. Hold on. And I called up called up like three of my friends who knew a lot about it and had whatever and then I was like, "Can you explain these concepts to me? They don't make any sense." And they were like, "I'm going to be real with you. I don't understand it either." And I'm like, "Okay, got it. That's just how it is." Um yeah. That was like I'm not going to lie, Claudia. That's like a lot of how I felt after I finished watching Trigun ninety eight. Well, because I was that like, is on it, purpose. I watched, I, I watched it, and I was like, "Now what the fuck are they talking about?" I genuinely, I was like, "I, I don't think they knew." In in ninety eight, they were like, "We finished no, they, the story. We got the we had, we ran out of budget." <laughs> it's a lot like the Bible in that way, where many different people. <laughs> Have different interpretations and understandings of the text. Who suffered more, Jesus or Michael Afton? I think Vanessa was the one. Michael Afton. Freddie Fazbear. Well, maybe, but no, because Vanessa may have suffered in this movie, because I do believe in this movie she has suffered more than Jesus. But in the games, Mike Afton is like being held okay, together by a true. by like that's a piece true. of chicken wire. Anyways, true, I never even talked about my interactions with the Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, like Noah, I was a 14 year old when this when the video game came out i did not play it i did not watch any person play online and then in 2018 i randomly watched a video on the lore held that close in my my bosom to my heart to my chest um watched some episodes some videos by matthew patrick and then uh, here i am today wow it's crazy um as an enjoyer of cinema, I sat down with my <laughs> almost that I sat my white ass down and watched the movie. <laughs> so one of my butt cheeks. You've just been was- white you've just been whitewashed. Five Nights at Freddy's came out when I was in high school. And I played the first game. And I don't get really scared super easily. So like games don't usually scare me. So I beat it like pretty I wouldn't say easily. Okay, flex. Okay. Okay, gamer. I did end up beating the game and I was like, okay, and I don't get scared very easily, but you know who does get scared very easily? My dad. So I said, you need to play this game. It's just a fun little simulation kind of game. So just sit down. And I made my dad play it without telling him that it was a very scary horror game. And he got scared. And then I made my mom play it (laughs) because I'm evil. Not that elder abuse. Elder. (laughs) Elder. How old do you think my parents are? I don't know. Wendy, I'm so sorry that Claudia would say that about you. Well, you're not even here to defend yourself. Um, But my point is, is I played the first game and then I was like, whatever. And then like so shortly, like less than a couple months later, they were like, we're releasing a second one. And I was like, God damn. So I played that for like one night and I was like, I'm too confused. I can't put this mask on. It doesn't make sense. So I never played it again or really ever honestly thought about it again until they were like, we're making a movie. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll be sad. So I saw the movie and then I was like, I need to learn everything I can about this franchise. So I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about it. Um, And yeah, I know basically the plot of the first four games and anything after, like, the initial uh, four games, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I tried. I did not understand. So that's my 
my Tee-hee. my experience. You're five nights at Freddy's. That's what I was gonna say, and I realized it didn't make sense. You're two nights at Freddy's. <laughs> let's 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 discuss the movie. And this, I think, yeah. will be a spoiler conversation, guys. So beware. So to like get into like the movie, as you know, starring Josh Hutcherson, who is Mike Michael Schmidt in this, who even though he shares the same name as the protagonist of the first FNAF game, again, this movie and the games entirely different like plots, entirely different story going on here. Um you know, for one, you know, the the movie starts off a security guard is trying to escape and um fun fact is that that security guard was supposed to be played by Markiplier but he had scheduling conflicts because he was in the middle of filming his own movie that probably is coming out this year i think it's called iron lung so, <laughs> so i'm promoting markiplier's movie tihi that security guard is not able to escape his little confinements and animatronic does kill him <laughs> and then you get a fun little eight beat eight beat eight bit sequence opening where it's like tee look this little bunny man is taking the kids <laughs> and leading them away i don't want to interrupt are you gonna explain the entire movie no <laughs> no but i wanted to talk about that eight bit thing like because that is like I, I like that they did the little 8-bit, like, opening, because, you know, there's a lot of 8-bit um, minigames in the FNAF series of games, which, again, that's a fun little Easter egg for for the games. They're like, look, guys, video, video game. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the lore in the games gets explained via, like, in between the nights, gets explained via, like, little yeah. 8-bit... Um, like arcade mini games yeah. yeah like mini games and it's like there's one game where it's like this guy keeps trying to get into the restaurant and then his partner's like no you can't come in here and it's like oh that was william afton i just thought it was a really good way to set the tone of the film um i did not go in with high expectations for this movie that being said i did see like a trailer there was like some kind of like teaser trailer that kind of i don't know it made me mildly excited for the film at first i was like oh god it's like this is gonna be like the battleship movie y'all remember the battleship movie with rihanna yeah um <laughs> um i, I erased like, that from my mind <laughs> i'm sorry for re-reminding you um but i felt like this was really like i don't know it knew what it was and i feel like in that sequence it really like helped kind of set the scene of like okay we're gonna try to like you know at least have components of the game homages to it if you will um and it's gonna be a little a little fucked up a little crazy a little look into my twisted mind that's like like often i i'm 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 just very glad that we've returned to movies having traditional uh intro sequences i, I think we've returned to cinema i i like that even like because i don't know i, I think spider-verse did the same thing like there have been a bunch of movies lately that have done it and i'm like finally cinema has returned um and I think they they also knew that, like, people were sat because they were already fans of the movie. So they were not going to care if there was a long sequence at the beginning. They were like, I'm sat. 
And I think it also helps that like the music for that part was fucking bomb. Like I yeah, for- I was bumping. Like I really enjoyed the comp, like the the scoring for this movie. Like I thought it was very fun, and it felt like it felt nostalgic in a way that a movie set in I think two thousand. This movie is set April two thousand. April of two thousand. In the this is pre nine eleven. I just think that it's not too late for for Mike Schmidt to end Five Nights at Freddy's 2 in the same way Remember Me ended. I um, was gonna make a joke about <laughs> If you guys don't know Remember Me, um, it is a movie starring Robert Pattinson that came out, like, right after, like, right after the huge Twilight craze took off. And you watch this whole movie, and it's very emotional about, like, his relationship with his sister and their father and all this stuff. And then the last scene is him going to his father's office to talk to him, and it zooms out, and you realize that it's, 9, that it's September 11, 2001, and he's on one of the Twin Towers. And it, was, it had the girls gagged at the time. And I'm just saying, this is pre-9-11. This could still happen in the second one. I cannot get that get this the visual out of my mind of the camera zooming out to reveal freddy fazbear in one of the twin towers of september 11 <laughs> jet fuel can't burn revenant made beams <laughs> i do i like i'm obsessed with the idea <laughs> okay do you guys i've shown this to you guys like 86 times but there's a youtube video i think it is just like mariah carey glitter billboard it's like the title of the video <laughs> it's someone has a camcorder and they're filming a billboard of Mariah Carey's, I believe, perfume called Glitter. And the camera pans up. And it's one of the towers is on fire. Oh I would like God. that to be the end of the next FNAF movie where it's like Freddie Fazbear in New York and the camera pans up. And it's just no, 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 no. You don't want to talk about 9-11. <laughs> whore, 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 whore. Well, yeah, I don't want to talk about 9-11. Is it funnier if... If Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria were to be inside the Pentagon instead. <laughs> Wait. Okay, I like how it's like in, in the congressional office buildings, how there's like a restaurant <laughs> in the, there's like a, a food court in the basement. It's a, a, a Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria is in the, we also need to get it straight because everyone calls it Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, but on the sign, it says Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. So what's the fucking truth? Hmm. Also, I just want to say, as a former congressional intern who used to go to those cafes all the time, um, all of the Capitol and all of the Capitol buildings are connected by tunnels underground. So I think that having having do not leak this animat- information in case next January sixth someone wants to <laughs> someone wants to do well, a rebirth. No, when, Jan- <laughs> when January sixth was happening, you know they were hiding in the tunnels. Um, and there's there's also like a little like there's a little like tram that you can ride. Well, I the think tram is the- so fun. The tram is really fun because there's one tram that's like super short and kind of dumb. And then there's one tram that is legitimately very helpful. Um, I just think setting the Five Nights at Freddy's games inside the bottom of the Capitol would be very funny. Um, Also, you know what's funny? You know what's funny (laughs) is that in the later FNAF games, it's revealed that like, like for a security breach, that's the newest FNAF game. Well, now it's not the newest because they had like help wanted to that just came out but um in security breach it is revealed that they built their giant new pizza like megaplex on top of the old one so it is in some like underground bunker like tunnel system so i will just say this i will just say this 
one time when I was a congressional intern, one thing that would happen was that when they were going to have a vote, um, the Congress people, they'd have to basically just run to the floor. Um, and, you know, there's the older ones who they're being guided along by a staffer. But one time um, when I was working there, this is going to age me, um, Michelle Bachman was in office and Michelle Bachman flew past me. And I just saw like a look in her eye that was like an evil being. And I think that was a lot like encountering pretty fast. What was Foxy? Yeah, because she flew by yeah. in the hallway with Michelle Bachman, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, so she's more like Chica, actually. Chica's by far the scariest animatronic. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. No, because she's a chicken. She has chi- her, teeth her and, and yeah. fuck ass cupcake. The cupcake has the most kills in that movie. Yeah. You guys think but, about that? So, the cupcake Michelle is- Bachman is Chica. Why do we need Seal Team 6 when the cupcake is right there? Are you suggesting that the cupcake? Are we bring another nine eleven reference? Oh my like, god! Are I you not mean? I did the, not the mean cupcake to do that. Are you suggesting to kill Osama bin Laden? Yes. Guys, no. Freddie Fazbear. <laughs> Freddie Fazbear is involved with Zero Dark Please. Thirty. Please, please. Also, I love how we've been recording for forty one minutes, and so far we have talked about the title sequence of Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie, the film. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyways, anyways. Let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about Michael, the security Michael, guard. Michael, yeah, how he's a he's a fucked up little guy. You know, he's going through a lot because he did witness his younger brother get kidnapped when they were children, and he is also kind of acting as like a single parent. But it's not like it's because he's parenting his younger sister. He himself is not a parent, but he is like the guardian of his younger sister. But at the same time. You know, he still cannot get over the trauma of seeing his younger brother get kidnapped. I don't know why I'm laughing about that. It is kind of wild watching this after Megan, where that was also about somebody really not being ready to parent as like a young, well, I guess not millennial, if this is in 2000. Um, it, it just, I was like, oh, wow, these boobies are weirdly similar. Um, and also the dolls coming to life, but... <laughs> I think there was a really interesting part towards the end of the movie or after Mike saves Abby. He's like, you are the most important thing in the world to me. And I was like, that is literally exactly what Gemma said to Katie when they were like, we're throwing Megan away. (laughs) I was like, that was the emotional resolution in Megan. And it's also the emotional resolution here. Also, this is something I thought was cool is that I think for the whole time, for a lot of people watching, they're like, what are the similarities? What are the things that are the same? betwixt the games like where are the parallels and i think it's funny because i was like there is a theory but it's just a theory oh my god dad is basically the henry emily of this universe which who is the guy who founded fred bear's family diner with william afton which was like the precursor to freddie fazbear's pizzeria in the games and William Afton killed his daughter and put her into like a the puppet. puppet. <laughs> um, but and then it's also like William Afton's own daughter got stuck into Circus Baby, who is like a girl, a slay little girl doll. But I thought it was a very fun reference to be like, oh my god, they're gonna put Abby in in a in a springlock suit. And I was like, oh my god, this is just like when William Afton put little girl into bad evil fucked up robot. This is just like the games. This is just this is just like Five Nights at Freddy's. 
<laughs> I, for one, really enjoyed how in the kind of like setting up of Mike's character, one of the first things we see is that he's reading a book called Dream Theory. That's another fun little nod to to FNAF fans. Yeah, because that was a big theory is like people thought like, oh, what if all of the games are like a dream? Like when people were trying to figure out what was going on before all of the first four games were out. Interesting. Anyway, I really like the color grading of this movie. (laughs) I I will say one one interesting thing is that like horror movies technically they're like they're supposed to be like they're cheaply made and they can make a lot of money and this movie made a lot of money um but the interesting thing was like the special effects in this movie were really good like the puppets they looked really good whatever i was like they did not spare yeah they hired the you know jim henson company so they got those practical effects there for the the animatronics I honestly like I think the animatronics were my favorite part of the whole movie um because one they look they just they just look awesome um but also like they're scary in their bigness there's this like actually I think quite creepy shot near the I think end of the movie I'm trying to remember if it's like the middle or close to the end where Josh Hutcherson et al are like on the floor with some of the animatronics and they're just like dwarfed by these giant metal death traps that are like ooh, we're besties. And then it's like, oh my God, they're harmless. And then like the next scene is like, we have to murder you like right now. I thought that was something that was very interesting is I wrote down, I took a bunch of notes. I was like, I think that one of the things that always takes me out during horror movies, and especially now that we're in an era where so many things are like CGI, I feel like as soon as you see like the monster, it stops being scary. Like that was my big problem with the movie A Quiet Place. Was that as soon as I saw the monster, I was like, okay, like first, like that's not scary anymore. Like the suspense is gone. And I feel like it was the opposite with this movie where it's like the more I saw them, the scarier they got. And it was like, obviously these are iconic characters. People know what they look like. So it's not even that I'm like, oh, wow, they're so grotesque and scary. It's just like the concept of them and the uncanniness of them is so good. And it's so interesting how like when they start getting influenced by William Afton and start like becoming... When they're like, oh, we have to kill Abby and kill Josh Hutcherson, Mike. It's like there's this complete tonal shift and suddenly it they are they are terrifying. Well, I mean, that's that is a lot like the games. The more you see them, the scarier they get. Because at first you don't you don't really see them. You don't really see much, but then they the scarier they get. See, I feel like in the games it's the opposite, because it's like you don't even really see them until they come to get you. Like and it's the yeah, like, but that, no that's my point is you don't see the mon- you don't see the monster. But, like, but I but what I'm saying is the more you see them in the movie, the scarier they get. Whereas okay, because you don't really see them that much in the game. Like you see them on the cameras, but you don't really like see them up close until they're it's too late. I feel like there's a lot more suspense, and there is more suspense of like, oh, what are they gonna do? What do they look like? Blah blah blah. In the games, but in the movie, it's like they're just so fucked up and scary. I yeah I have to agree like because the thing about the games for me is like the more times that I saw them in any way shape or form I was like okay this is fine it's just like Chica with all of her horrible teeth like whatever um because also a lot of like the horror of the games came up with like this climactic jump scare where like they get you and like that's then you see like a death screen and you just like you move on 
thing about the movie is there's so much like weird suspense that goes on and you start to feel like they're not that big of a deal and they're kind of friendly and chill and then they're like sprinting towards someone and i'm like never mind i would kill myself like i wouldn't make it that kind of reminds me of what we talked about with megan where it's like megan's not scary until she is scary and how it's like, oh, she's normal. She's like a fun thing to be around. And I think there's the uncanniness. And, you know, you're always a little on edge around her. But you, you kind of get lured into this like, oh, well, she's not that scary. And then it's like, oh, actually, yeah, she is. My different. It's funny because I was the one who compared them last time. But I actually will say with this, like, other than the uncanny valleyness of Megan, like, I do think there's a point where she's she's not scary, um, but the, I do I do think the animatronics remain scary the whole time. Like even when on screen they're saying like, "Oh, we trust them now." Whatever. I'm like, okay, well, this always looked like a creepy abandoned place. It was it never didn't look the place never didn't look scary. And I know you guys on screen are like, "Oh, it's fine," but it's still creepy and terrifying. Um, whether or not they're actually gonna kill kill you, whatever. So like I, that took me out of it. I this is I, we'll get to like the reasons I didn't love the movie I think that was also one of my reasons I didn't like it because like yeah we all know what they look like but I'm like I think the suspense wasn't there because it's like I I get the reasons why they did it which is like what you were saying but it was also very much like the whole time I was just waiting for them to turn in a different way than Megan because with Megan it was like I want to see how she does it because she's an AI whatever but with this it was like I know those bitches are gonna come to life and murder people and also like I'm not surprised at all because this place is fucking creepy um in the game it's like holy shit something jumped out at me like um you know i expect it because it's it's scary it's a scary game but with this it's like all of that is prolonged out we have all this stuff about him whatever and we're just like we're just waiting for okay they're gonna turn crazy and and you're like okay these people and I, I don't know i feel like it it felt very much to me of like when you watch a horror movie and you're like so these people are dumb they're 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 hanging around they're, they're hanging around the creepy doll. Okay, so we're just waiting for that. Um, that was, that was, it, oh, to me, them making that choice made it worse for me. I don't know. Um, it took away the scariness from the game. I kind of get where you're coming from with that. I think it makes sense. Like, because I remember, I will say, the first time I watched it, I was not, like, I didn't find it particularly suspenseful, so to speak. But I will say, upon second rewatch, I actually felt like I was more scared, which sounds silly. Um, I feel like it was, like, tenser upon rewatch when I knew it was coming, which is, I don't know why. I don't know how to explain it. But I think also, like, the movie does a lot. I think this movie is better if you have an understanding of the lore of the games or if you have, not that you can't watch it without it, but I think there's something that it sort of instills in you in the fact that I... I think it subverts your expectation because you initially expect like the animatronics to show up on night one or night two to like show up and beat the shit out of Mike. But because they don't do that, it kind of sets this like weird, like, Oh, well then are they like, are they going to be attacking him? And then you kind of have this time of like, will they, won't they, because it has subverted your expectation already and i think that it again reminds me of megan where we had said something so scary about doll movies is that it is a, a doll is inherently supposed to be something safe that is for the child whereas these animatronics in this movie spends a lot of time endearing you to the animatronics which are for the child 
And then when they turn, it makes it all the more scary because it's like not like not only were they something that you trusted, they were something that the child trusted. I think the the, the they were literally the, children too. So well that that too, uh, but and that's the difference when we were talking about the difference between like Megan and a haunted doll and like Megan being an AI and them the the animatronics being an actual haunted doll. But the the difference here is I actually wish that they hadn't done the cold open because the suspense if they had if they had had the suspense especially for people who played the game um if they had had the suspense of like oh these these animatronics are fine like they're kind of creepy dude but they're fine and then they jump out at you later i think that would have gotten you even though you you know going into it i think well I'll, like because they start out with the cold open of like yeah they're murdering bitches and then you go into it like it almost takes away from it i don't know um like I, I'm seeing the purpose that Ali is is saying there, and I'm like, they could have executed that better. I think I think the cold open, not to be that person, the cold open did give it a very. This is a 50 minute long supernatural episode vibe. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I mean, or any procedural or any horror procedural, whatever. Um, but I did I did kind of not spoil it, but kind of deal. Um. I guess they wanted to start it out with like, this is the traditional experience of playing the game if you haven't played the game. But I was like, it kind of took away from the the vibes. No, because I, I tend to agree. I think my thought in this is that like, and this is something, a larger kind of theme in this film, um, is that this was initially a role that was supposed to, according to my sources, a role that was supposed to go to Markiplier that the guy who gets killed at the very beginning fritz um and i think that that just kind of says i think that it's inclusion in the film i feel like like you said it could have been cut out and maybe have created a little bit more suspense um but i feel like this film worked really really hard to um engage i guess in fan service not like in a way that i feel like is like detrimental to the film um but like I don't know. There were. I just think that the that like like you said, like there's just some kind of I don't know some additions in the film where I'm like, okay, this is clearly because they were like, all right, this is something that that the girlies, the girls who get it, get it, and the girls who don't, don't. Um, which is fine. I just that is why I take issue with that initial scene. I think, yeah, I think part of it, too, is, like, the problem with this movie, maybe a problem is the wrong word, like, a thing that I think it had to deal with, which I think you deal with whenever you make a video game movie, is, like, the suspense and the twist were dead in the water from the minute that they were, like, we're making a Five Nights at Freddy's movies, because, like, how could it not be? The whole premise is that the animatronics are evil. I think that they did what they could with that. Um, I personally wasn't like scared watching this movie at any point because <laughs> me personally, I was just like, I simply would not go in to an evil fucked up restaurant. That's just me though. Um, but I, I did enjoy how they sort of tried to use that. Like, I hate to use the word Hitchcockian to describe a five nights at Freddy's movie, but like, like the way in which like you can make better suspense by knowing that your audience is informed of what's coming towards them and not telling them when or how it will get there. And I think that's part of why that like the established sense of safety and the usage of them, like being friendly and then being like, ha we're evil. Like that was fun. I will say 
the point in the film at which it happens is also kind of predictable because I remember like we paused it briefly and I saw where we were in the runtime and I was like, ah, it's coming. Okay, work. But like, it was still a fun watch. I wasn't like, I wasted 90 minutes of my life. That is something that you say that I think is very interesting when you say Hitchcockian because I kind of get what you're saying. Um, and I will say I found like Emma Tommy, who is the, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right, um, is the director. So first of all, slay that there was a female director so that was cool and apparently she was really fun to work with so she is coming back for the second one to my knowledge um at least according to josh hutcherson but i thought that there were a lot of really interesting directorial decisions and i think one is that in the lenses that they used and the way they captured this film it felt very reminiscent it felt very 2000s very late 90s it had that vibe but i also really liked there were a lot of the shot compositions were really interesting and in a movie that took place in this dark restaurant this dark place i never felt like i couldn't see what was mm. going on thank fuck i think they're like were... like thank god yeah <laughs> I, I was scared that that was gonna happen yeah and it's like i could see the entire entire movie yeah and i think one thing that i really like there's a couple shots like there's the there's the um it, i know it became a meme but there's a meme of vanessa who's like staring at the wall of pictures um and it zooms in really close on her face and i know that that's like a goofy shot but there's a lot of shots like that throughout the movie where like the main the the focus of the shot the character who's either speaking or whoever it's really close up on them or it's like almost feels wide angle. And I feel like that is a really interesting, very distinct shot, like angle for a movie like this. Cause I think for sometimes it feels almost like it makes it feel larger than life. Like it, it adds this sense of like fantasticalness where you're like, okay, it's setting the tone in that this movie is saying we're going to be weird and creepy because we know this is a weird premise. Mm. Like this is not something that you're going into thinking this is going to be a serious think piece. You're going into this for goofiness and for silliness. And we are giving that. But then it's also kind of, again, I actually really liked those shots, both because they're goofy and silly, but also because I thought it set a really, like, fun, interesting tone. See, actually, that was actually one of our main issues was that I wanted it to be more silly, goofy, fun. I actually made me appreciate Megan more because I was like, I wanted it to serve a little more. I wanted it to lean into the camp more. And Every time it it went towards leaning into the camp, it would reel back because it was like, we're going to have this really sad, really like, it, it, totally fine, but like really sad, really depressing like backstory for like Mike and like his, like his struggles and his relationships and his whatever. And I'm like, that's great and all, but like, you know, let's lean a little bit into the camp a little bit. Um, I'm not to say you can't address serious things when there's camp, you can't, but like, I... I almost wish I I I almost I, I I think that is what was missing for me is that like the elements were there but it was like like we we said we said this when we were talking about Megan but we were like at first you don't know if like they're in on the joke and then you watch the movie and you're like oh they're totally in on the joke they're totally making her slay on purpose and in this movie it felt very much like they were very focused on the lore and the references which is fine and they did them fine but they didn't like have enough fun with it I guess um like I, I i wanted them to do more almost um see i it got like weirdly sad at some parts like i feel like that's kind of why this movie was why fans of the franchise like this movie so much is not just because they have an idea but like the lore is completely i mean there's some similarities but the lore for the most part is completely different in the game 
So it's not, people aren't like, fans aren't like, oh my gosh, this is a perfect representation, but it captures the tone of the game where it's like, you play this game, you're playing as some fucker who's like in a a pizzeria with animatronics haunted by the ghosts of children. Like that is an objectively goofy thing to say. When Freddy Fazbear is coming to get you, he goes, it's like, it's objectively a funny thing. But it counteracts that by having all of the backstories and all of the characters be so dark and fucked up. So, like, I do tend to agree that when adapting it to a more, like, a broader audience, it is a little bit, like, out there. But I think because that's what people who play the game know and that's what they expect. I mean, have you ever read a Five Nights at Freddy's fan fiction? They are fucking crazy because it's like, here's the thing. I can't say that I've read a lot before, but in preparation for this episode, I did kind of go through and be like, what are they writing about and it's all this like there's so much like really dark stuff but it's also like really heartfelt in a lot of ways but it's like you have this silly silly thing this silly silly concept but people resonated with the emotion so much and i think you can't divorce them from another to make a faithful representation of it i'm and i'm not saying it can't be and i'm not saying it can't be like heartfelt whatever i like i actually liked like those concepts or whatever because i think they like they added some some stuff whatever I just I just don't know if it was executed like I I like I like what they were trying to do I just don't think it was executed well like I'm like I, I wanted them to do it more or I wanted them to do it different like I like I I like that I think that that is what makes it this whole thing attractive to people is that it's it's dark and it's heartfelt but it's also silly and it's like not for me to get on this soapbox but this was a this was a piece where I went this would have worked way better in animation than it than it would have in live action. Sorry, because we could we could have balanced the heartfelt with the camp in a way that at uh, now. Well I, well, I I don't think this movie was campy. It, I'll start with. I know that. that's my that's uh, what that's what I mean is it wasn't camp and it should have been. But the game also isn't I, camp. Like this is not. I think it's silly, but it's not camp. Hill, hills I will die on. Hills I will die on. Camp is not a thing you should do on purpose. It's okay. a thing that happens by accident when it's good. That said, um, I also don't think it, I, I think what works about it being live action and like, again, I watched this movie and then sort of immediately forgot about it. <laughs> this is more just like a thing that I was like, that was fun. Um, it doesn't like consume my brain. But the thing about like, I think what, what sells the fun of it for me is that the robots are physical objects in real space. And like, I think that's why I was so thrilled to see that they were done with practical effects and like they're huge and they're weird looking and they're kind of misshapen and lumpy. But like, if you've been to a Chuck E. Cheese, they are all of those things. And so I think that it actually like, had it been in another medium, I think it would have been less fun. Like, I think that's part of what worked about it was that it wasn't animated. You're, you're watching these human characters walk around with these larger than life animal robots that are so stupid looking, but like in a way that they're supposed to be, you know, like, I guess for me watching this, it was very clear that like a lot of care went into the robots and how they were designed and what they were supposed to look like. And I don't know. I didn't think that it was at all scary, but I I did laugh while I was watching it. I was like, that's when they, they're like, we have to murder the child robots with tasers. I was like, this movie is perfect. Also, also, I'm sorry. The fucking ending, I lost my goddamn mind watching that. I know, I was obsessed. Also, okay, I have to say something back to sort of the content of the movie. I am obsessed with 
this shot. If you don't know what happens in the game, it made no fucking sense. Where it's like, okay, they understand you understand the spring locks, you understand all that. William Afton gets fucked up and he's like, I always come back and puts his helmet on. Like if I was just watching that and had no idea, I would be like, does his hel- does his his suit have some sort of self-healing factor? Like, is he Iron Man? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And then it's like then you see him and he's like and for people who knew anything about the game would be like, oh my god, it's just like he says in the game when he dies, but it's like <laughs> it's like if you don't know that it's like, why did he say that? Where are you coming back from? <laughs> when is when was the first time this happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> I watched this movie with two of my friends who had no idea what Five Nights at Freddy's even was because it's like they're they had no connection to that part of like the world. And so when he was like, I always come back, they were like, Okay. Um From what? Like <laughs> like is he like what is he about to do? And then he like dies horribly and they were like, Okay. So the movie is over, right? Like this is the film is we can all go home. <laughs> I was like, Well no, uh it's actually this is only the beginning. <laughs> I really do think though that this movie was made just for fans. <laughs> as a love letter to fans because um if you've seen like not to fucking bring up Rotten Tomatoes how critics did not like this movie but <laughs> audience score for this movie is really high because wait do you know what the audience it's score the is fan. 87. It's 87 just like the bite. Yeah. Just like the just like multiplier the says. We Even just like, argued about whether like the bite of 87 is canon anymore, well, but... Okay. Yeah, but no, it's that's also a Five Nights of Freddy's, like, meme, too, because of fucking Markiplier being like, is that the bite of 87? And even, especially funny, because he's like, is that the bite of 87? It was the bite of 83, babes. It was not the bite of 87, babes. The one, quest- the one, the one question I do have, which I do think is funny, is whether or not critics liked it. Could any of these places maybe have gotten a critic who knows video games to, to to review it or like who knows the lore to review it? Um, Maybe this is a wider thing about because people are like, oh, the critics versus the fans. And like, ah, there are definitely critics. There are game critics who are out of work who could have reviewed this movie for you. um, And they didn't. And whether or not they would have liked it, who's to say? Um, But I'm just saying it's it's more a reflection of maybe we should get people who know what the fuck they're talking about to review something rather than that. Um, and I, I'm saying that as a person who didn't like the movie, I do think we should maybe have people who are informed about something writing reviews of it. Anyways, the death of entertainment journalism really sucks. Can we talk about this when this movie came out? And, then, you know, um, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, Matt Pat. He said the thing because Matt Pat does make a cameo appearance in this as uh, an employee at this diner that they go Ness. to. And who, his name is Ness, which is another Easter egg thing because he made a, a fucking theory before about Sans from Undertale being Ness from... Um, earthbound slash the mother like series and then scott um was like yeah i want fucking matt pat's character's name to be ness because of that theory because uh, matt pat did like say like he's like oh why is like he making my name ness like you know like trying to like think of all these things and no it's because scott was just like no it's because of the fucking sand is ness i guess you could say he had a lot of theories um yeah. I think that was actually my first interaction with Matt Pat was that video where he was like, Sans and Ness the is Sans the same is person. Ness. And I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. This guy's an idiot. <laughs> but then, no, also the fucking 
when this movie came out and that everyone's freaking out about MatPat. But then also, there's a character in this film. He is the aunt's lawyer. Dog! Sorry. And his name is Doug, which I mentioned, yeah. <laughs> Doug also got U2s, which is really funny because he's like maybe in like five minutes of this fucking film. <laughs> but then after that... Fucking everyone started drawing Ness, the waiter, and Doug, the lawyer fan art, which I was like, you guys are fucking insane. They had, like, one interaction of MatPat being like, oh yeah, like, let me get your order, because, you know, like, lunch is the most important meal of the day, and they're like, isn't that breakfast? He's like, well, that's just a theory, and just like, shut the fuck up, MatPat. I love that. I love Doug. I love that. I will say, fun fact, for those of you who might not have read all the books, I can't say I have, but, you know, I googled them. Um, oh, are we going to talk about my favorite theory that I'm the one who first brought it up to you guys? Um, no, I was actually going to talk about how in the books there is a character who is based on MatPat who does that. Yeah, this one. Oh, like, that maybe it yeah, it is a character who's based on MatPat who is like, oh my god, I'm pregnant and it's Springtrap's baby. The, I'm sorry? the fucking plot of that it is in one of the FNAF books. It's the fourth one of like I forget what the series of those books, but it is I have seen the first three of those books out in the wild. I never see the fourth one. I was like, I wonder why That's I never what? see. The fourth <laughs> They're one. trying to censor <laughs> Matt Pat M. Preg. <laughs> but yeah, in that story specifically, um, there's this this game reviewer guy or I think he might be like a game developer but his name is Matt because yeah he's supposed to be based off Matt Matt and um to my understanding of the plot of that is like he's trying to like deal with this game virus thing who that ends up being like weirdly like spring trap or glitch trap whatever like kind of related to that was, for those and, of you who might not know the lore william afton's like fursona is called spring trap by fans and spring bonnie i think officially yeah because it's the spring bonnie suit but spring bonnie yeah. spring trap is what most people know him as but basically he cannot get past this like one level and I don't know something the virus like infects him and <laughs> he gets mpreg basically and dies a horrible death because baby spring drop <laughs> fucking rips out of his belly alien style <laughs> so there's that story did Scott write that one? <laughs> no but he approved it hmm, interesting I'm just, I, okay. You should not talk about someone who should have had an abortion. (laughs) (laughs) No! I, there's a lot of financial Freddies I don't know. If you handed me a quiz and you were like, one of the following statements is true financial Freddies lore, and it was MatPat's insert character gets impregnated by Springtrap, I would be like, that is patently false. Oh, Who I would, I would believe would it. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I like, because I said, like, I played the first game, played like a tiny bit of the second game, then didn't think about it until I said until the movie came out. But honestly, I didn't think about it until I saw someone on Twitter being like, hey, did you guys know that they wrote Matt Pat Emprig in an official Five Nights at Freddy's a book? And I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, and then I went back to not thinking I- about it until the movie. <laughs> 
I think I've actually brought up the map and story on the podcast before. Ooh. I have to go through our back. You either you have or I have because I think about it like quite frequently. I think about it quite frequently too. That's <laughs> curse knowledge that like once in a while will will reappear in my brain and be like, hey, remember Matt and Brig in the FNAF book? That's my thing for the second movie. I need there to be more Mpreg. I feel like that could be the case Ness. about most when... movies. Like, I feel like most movies, books, television shows, games, poems, lyrics, like any anything, I feel like it can always benefit from more Mpreg. So if we could get on so that, true. guys. In, in Mel's pitch for us to replace Matt Pat, does that, I mean, does that mean... No. <laughs> are, you, are you suggesting that one of us gets Mpregnant? Yeah. Unfortunately, if we replace my pad, Noah pointing Noah, at himself. No one has to. Noah's taking the fall. <laughs> I would. Oh God! Coming oh. September twenty twenty four. Something springing out of this no. trap. <laughs> no. 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 I'm sorry. That was not cool. That wasn't okay. <laughs> You know, here's the thing. I thought surely the jokes about Freddie Fazbear being in the, in the Pentagon on 9-11 was the weirdest place that this episode would go. But no, it's Mel's pregnancy announcement for my baby by Springtrap. Who said Springtrap is No, because you know what? I think that's the biggest problem is that Springtrap was not the one who got pregnant. You're going to tell me that man is I not okay. deeply impregnable. You're wrong. You are You are only saying that because you want to get spring got pregnant, okay? <laughs> no. 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 Can we talk about actually the scariest parts of the movie, which were like whenever fucking Balloon Boy like just appears? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just the Balloon Boy jump scare. Do you guys think Garrett was possessing Balloon Boy? You think Garrett was possessing Balloon Boy? How how would he fit in that tiny fucking figurine? I'm saying his spirit. I don't know. I know in the Five Nights at Freddy's games, it has to be because their body's in there. But that's not even true for all of them because some of them are just fucked up animatronics. I'm just saying somehow I think it would make sense because he always shows up. First of all, he shows up the most for Mike, who's his brother. And then also he the random cabbie. Well, he sh- he shows up for him because he's like, I now my family is here. I gotta go oh, find them. When you hear your family, and then those guys were. Can I just? Yeah. Can I? Can I just? Can I just talk about the cabbie part because that's Corey Kenshin, YouTuber, also. I I know I know who it is. I know that that was all there for that whatever. But I was like the concept that we. We, we we had to get this YouTuber in here. And so the idea was that Freddy Fazbear takes an Uber. Golden Freddy. Is, yeah, that's Golden Freddy, not Freddy Fazbear. Sorry. Um, takes an Uber, I think, is... Well, he, he takes a cab. He takes a cab because it is 2000. That's true. Um, I, I just... it was It was absolutely wild and insane to me. And I was just like... There were there were a lot of moments in this movie where I could like see the like one hundred drafts that it went through through six different f- forms of development because it like jumped from different directors and screenwriters and production whatever I, like I could see it sometimes in the movie that it was like Frankenstein pieced together Frank no Frankenstein's monster sorry <laughs> um and that was one scene one of them where I was like so this is here because they have to figure out a way for her to get back there and how. Ha- 
How did Golden Freddy get to her house without anyone noticing a giant animatronic walking down the street? Because he's more like of a phantom, like, yeah, he's like a phantom, like, animatronic. He's not an actual animatronic. Okay, but that's, but that's not, but that's not clear in the movie. Because he sees the ghost. He sees it. It's pretty clear because she walks into Freddy Fazbear's and she looks back and he's disappeared. Okay, but the cabbie sees well, him. Well, yeah, because the cabbie can see ghosts. <laughs> yeah, but but my point is, it's not clear when you watch the movie because there are physical animatronics and then well, there's the fucking ghost. Because it's a funny joke and they were like, we need to have the cabbie have a line. And I thought <laughs> I was willing to suspend my disbelief. Claudia, Claudia. It felt very all... clumsy. I'm sorry. You're right. The movie about the giant robots that work at a Chuck E. Cheese and occasionally murder children did feel a little bit less than a Scorsese film, and and that's okay. Megan was better. Stop okay. comparing um, Megan you don't, you don't, and Fennel. No, 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 no. They're you two don't... different entities. Hold up. Hold on. You do not get to go to bat for Megan after yeah, you categorically yeah, actually... refused to watch it for the better part of like two years. I bet <laughs> two years. Okay. Noah, Noah, it's been one year. So let's. I it, fe- I, it feels like it's been longer because I. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying to make up for the 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 way that I I wronged her. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Was it was it strange that there was a ghost animatronic who was different than the other animatronic, even though they look kind of the same, but also not really, and that the cow never conceived them? I mean, probably, but. We're going into the specifics of story writing about a movie that is, again, about a bunch of animatronics that eat kids occasionally. I kind of get where Claudia is coming from because I do think that it wasn't made clear. Um, But I also think I didn't think about it that much. I feel like we are kind of applying a little bit. And here's the thing. I feel like media and especially media that's aimed towards younger people, because this was like a PG-13 movie. We can't pretend that the target audience isn't people who are young who grew up with Five Nights at Freddy's or like teens. So I think that there is a conversation to be had about how media for teens, especially, but for teens and kids always gets played down and act like like people like to act like that doesn't have to be intelligent because they're kids and they won't understand and it doesn't matter so you can just churn out bullshit and kids will see it so i think that we do need to have a conversation about the entertainment industry as a whole valuing the media that children enjoy and putting more thought because that's what kids deserve kids aren't stupid they're smart a lot of the time but they just don't know as much so they just take things in a different way so that doesn't mean they deserve shit, and that doesn't mean they deserve things that don't make sense. But that being said, I feel like in this specific case, and I don't, I don't disagree that I think a lot of it is like, okay, well, we want to put these. They have ideas for funny scenes, and they're like, oh, here are the funny scenes that we want to make sure we put in. And then as they were developing, they were like, well, this kind of doesn't actually make any sense, or it makes sense if you have a deeper idea of what the lore is. Because for me, I was like, okay, I didn't really get it the first time. But the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, maybe it's just a thing of like Golden Freddy can manifest at will and can be physical at will. And it isn't really explained, but I was kind of like, okay, I can make the logical jump where that makes sense without having to interrogate it too hard. But I do get what you're saying and saying like kids, kids and young people deserve things that are, that make sense and deserve things that aren't carelessly made. But I feel like it was something I was kind of able to justify and get over. I didn't think it was a detriment to the movie. Well, also, it's not just things for kids. I'm saying things that are silly or things that are campy or things like they can also 
somewhat makes sense or not even makes sense but makes sense within its own ridiculous world even like they like there can be some sort of internal logic even if it isn't objectively like I don't there is a there is a happy medium between the cinema vacation of like this literally doesn't make any sense and like there is no connective tissue here like I feel like there can be a happy medium and for this it was like you know like we there were a couple logical things that we brought up when we were talking about Megan but we were like "Eh, it was fine because like they got the point across and it was cohesive here there were a lot of times where I felt like it wasn't cohesive and if the only thing that's that's holding it together is if you know the lore of the game like like I don't know I felt like even though I'm not a bit like I don't know I feel like it kind of did it a disservice because there is a lot of genius shit in the in the game so I don't know but that that is me being mean whatever I just I I don't I don't want to be overly mean I just I that's what I I felt like um also also I know we've been talking about in comparison to like video game adaptations because there's I feel like when talking about the last of us and talking about a bunch of other things like in the past maybe I don't know a couple last few years there have been a couple things that they've said of like broken the video game adaptation curse and I felt like they've kind of raised the bar in terms of like adapting video games lately um and so that's why for this it kind of it kind of felt like a little bit of a letdown to me of like okay this this feels a bit more this feels a bit more okay um like you're you're gonna like this if if you know the lore but it's not a good adaptation in itself um when there are are good adaptations of like games out like subjective yeah i and i don't feel like it's fair to say that it's a bad adaptation if it relies on you knowing stuff about the game i'm not i'm i totally agree with you in the fact that i think that there is something to be said about like when you do an adaptation it is important to consider your audience so like for something like the last of us which is appealing to people who may not have played the game that's one thing but for this it's like I'm willing to bet the reason this movie made so much money was because people who loved the game were going to see it. Well, yeah, but 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 my point is actually is not that it's not that it's bad because it relies on the lore. I think that it's bad. Like, it'd be fine if it, if it relied on the lore. And like, because I've said that about stuff with Star Wars, where it's like, you don't understand the shit if, unless you're deep cut and like, whatever. I'm like, I, I don't think that that is what makes it bad. I think what makes it bad is that like, on its own, it's not cohesive enough. I feel like there were parts of the narrative that were disjointed. Um, Ali will specifically say that one part of this film that I really felt like was the weak point. Um, and once again, I've had a conversation with Ali about that, this, and there's a little bit of a disagreement between the two of us, but I felt like Vanessa as a character was very like, I don't know. It was, oh my God. Yes. It was not confusing. No, it was not confusing. It was confusing to me and kind of just like how, just like the overall her place in the narrative what was going on with her um I also just felt like the actress's performance was particularly underwhelming um which is like first of all (laughs) if we're gonna talk about performances and once again the the Five Nights at Freddy's film um I just I think that also once again in our conversation with Ollie um Ollie thinks that to some degree, that's kind of like almost the point, dear. You can speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like you're like. Well, here's what what sources tell me. Sources about are telling the streets are telling me. But um, no, I agree. I think that part of her, like, I I think that that's kind of something I liked about her was that she felt so like weird and disjointed. And I think that's why Mike was like, "Girl, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who are you?" And then in the end, in the last scene, you finally start to see like what it, who is 
she actually, when you know everything about her, and I think it's almost like I wish the reveal had happened either sooner in the movie or it had a little bit more substance, because I think there were a lot of makings of a very interesting character. Um, that's that's exactly what I felt, because I felt like, yeah, she's definitely supposed to be like weird and uncanny on purpose. And then I was like, great, awesome. And then the payoff was very like, okay, so are we going to find out like what is her like we like what is her motivation like what is her motivation what is her this what is her that like there's a thing of her like in the end she's like I want to stop my father whatever but like why was she not stopping him before or why couldn't she I I wish that I wish that when the reveal happened Vanessa had her own robot suit and she put it on and she fought her father (laughs) like they were both like like he didn't die like they like had like a robot fight Sort of like they were. Wow. Sort of like Pacific Rim if it were. uh, This is like Pacific Rim if it were smaller. (laughs) Smaller (laughs) Pacific Rim. Oh, oh, wait. So when I said it was like Evangelion, you had a fucking problem. But when you said Pacific Rim. Uh, um, Um, No, I was going to say, I think that we do know why Vanessa didn't do anything about it because she's deeply scared and traumatized by her father, and he's her father. Because there's a part where Mike says, like, you know, he really messed you up. And she's like, you're not going to want me there. Like, I can't be there. Like, it sounds like she's just deeply terrified of this man. And well, which is which is why I'm like, so why did she stick around and keep leading people in? This is actually a lot like NBC Hannibal. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I had to say that. But second of all, I tend to agree with you, Claudia. Like, I think there are some kind of holes in that kind of idea. I just wish that there had been just a little bit more weighing of groundwork as to that reveal. Like, I knew as someone who knew things about, like, the FNAF lore, probably what was going to end up being the the whole thing. Um, of course, I didn't see it exactly playing out in the way that it did. Um, I don't know. I, I just... I don't know. I get that. I do. Except that I think you're all dumb. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I do kind of, I do get what you're saying, but I also think it's like she stayed, I think the whole thing is Vanessa's character in this movie is driven by fear of her father. So her father says, you're going to do this. And I'm assuming she's like, yeah, my dad has killed a bunch of children and I'm really scared of him. So he tells me to do this. So I'm going to do this. Which it, it's like, it, it's implied but like it's not like i don't know i mean i guess it's clear or whatever it just i don't know it's also implied that she knew that he was doing that since she was a child so like i feel like for her witnessing that shit as a child is just like am i next if i don't do what my dad says but yeah like i get what you guys are saying where it could have definitely been done a bit better and I do feel like also that maybe it's because they probably were banking on being able to do a sequel. So it feels like they've set up everything nicely for this sequel. I'm hoping that when they do the second one that it like puts, you know, like these plot holes that are appearing that like it fills in those gaps. But yeah, I get also what you're saying about like how it should be able to like stand on its own. So mm. Actually, I I do want to talk about something I really liked in this film. I really loved the girl who played Abby. I thought she was a pretty real, like a pretty solid child actor. Um, I feel like child actors are very hit or miss um, in this genre. Um, 
but I feel like I don't know, especially in the the troubled child department of of horror films, it can be pretty easy to just be like, oh, she's kind of weird, but she like she seemed like a bug girl. Like I I believe for every moment that she was just kind of like this kind of a bug girl. Not, to call her troubled, I feel like is hateful because like obviously she's going through some shit, but like she's not like. <laughs> like planning the murders of of her brother and animatronic friends. She's just like a kid who's going through some traumatic shit. Um and kind of like a deeply lonely kid and I don't know, at the end of the day, I think that this film felt like it was, I don't know, to say it's a feel good film feels weird, but I I felt like that it had the structure of like, you know, like a traditional movie that's geared towards people ages let's say eight to 15 so it did what it needed to do and i enjoyed it for that i liked that it had i liked that it had really big robots i I was a fan of the robots um i think i might have already said that i was a fan of the robots but i was like really into the robots um i also like I kind of want to give Josh Hutcherson kudos here because there wasn't like a lot to work with, but I actually did like enjoy his performance. Yes, and I was like, absolutely. I, I mean, it's it's not like I wasn't like, wait, this is fantastic, but like I I bought him as a troubled older brother thrust into a role he wasn't prepared for. Like I was like, yeah, whatever, sure. Also, he's like he's kind of baby girl in this movie. I'll be honest. I will say I don't like it. I, I think that there's a conversation to be had about like, I don't want all LGBTQ characters to like, I think that not every actor who plays an LGBTQ character should have to be a part of the community because I think that a lot of the times that leads to people getting outed and et cetera. There's a huge can of worms there. That being said, if they were like, we need an actor to play a transgender character like a trans man i would be like josh hutcherson is the only cis man i would be like yeah do it <laughs> for some reason there's just some he has some sort of gender juice that he puts in there i'm like i don't know what is going on but like he's got all the layers going on he's got the the fun messy little haircut it's like something about him i just i get it you know I do also like that his basically goal was to be like those people on TikTok who are like, I'm going to perma shift, like to go to my, no, like no. my desired reality. Not freaking... so for those of you who might not be as plugged in, um, shifting is when people dream <laughs> or imagine things like they imagine that they are at Hogwarts or imagine they're in their favorite show or dream that they're in their favorite show and are like, oh my God, I shifted there and it's an alternate reality. And, you know, it's something that a lot of teens just do for fun. But I think it kind of got to the point online where a lot of people took it really seriously. And they were like, I hate real life. I'm going to perma shift, which is where they would just permanently (laughs) shift there, I guess. And that's basically what he was trying to do. Is that a thing in the the whole thing of him being like, hold on, let me let me take my meds and sleep. And like, that's not a thing in the game lore. That was a whole that's the thing just for the the movie. Yeah, I think that was also one of the things that confused me because I was like, whoa, so we got souls inhabiting here and then we also got the dreamscape. I was yeah, like, how are they getting into the dreamscape? Golden... I was like, this is a lot. This is too many things. Because Five Nights at Freddy's is five, the second, the sequel is going to be called Five Nights at Freddy's Two Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Golden Freddy in his little dreams is like, yeah, I can help you perma shift. Just 
give us your sister. Yes, literally. <laughs> just give us your sister. To, like, you can deal with the fae? The, the changeling fucking deal with the fae where he's like, well, I want my brother back. Shit, that means I have to sacrifice my sister. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the second one being Dream Warriors, now I can get to intersect with the Maverse, and then, God, and oh, then I win. <laughs> Five nights at Moz? Five nights in Moz basement? (laughs) (laughs) That's basically, you could switch the name of those two movies. Five nights at Freddy's? Like, I think that Five nights at Freddy's should have been called Ma, and Ma should have been called Five nights at Freddy's. Well, okay, and the thing is, the thing is that after Magen, Ma technically does have the ability to possess other robots. So for all we know, she could be all five of the animatronics at once. My suggestion is just maybe it's time to reboot the Ma series with Five Nights at Freddy's. I love that. Um, I love the idea of Octavia Spencer's Ma just like being a character in these movies. Just like she's sort yeah. of there. This is, it's the Rob Zombie version. She would have beat the fuck out of Springtrap. Are you kidding? Also, um, I do think that we do need to talk about something that I wrote down that was very distracting d- during the movie. <laughs> was that when everyone's favorite child serial killer well serial killer of children william afton was like i'm gonna put the mask on and it's gonna change my voice he sounded just like bill cypher like he sounded so much like bill cypher it was insane like i was like okay okay fuck the voice yellow not good to children parts of the internet that parts of the internet that would destroy him in in many different ways I'm just saying they they could be brothers. <laughs> Not they could be brothers. But that's just a theory. Can I ask a fun question? Um uh, you know there's five animatronics. Who is who? I think Mel is the cupcake. I know it's not technically one of the animatronics. Well, but technically, yeah. cupcake and Chica are like the same little girl. Like somehow, her soul is like split between the cupcake and she and Chica. Mel is the scariest utero. one. <laughs> um. Yeah. Who do we? I feel like Noah's Foxy. That's Slay. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Work. Okay. So I got a hook for a hand. I got an eye patch. I'm ready and to work. Skinny as fuck legs. Okay, that is rude. Your legs, okay, objectively your legs are not skinny, but I do think you with cunty little metal legs would be funny. Okay, <laughs> I have to make a reference, and I don't know if any of you guys will, will know what I'm talking about, but like I, like a, a long time ago, um, there was this Tumblr post that was like, I had a dream about the Kardashians last night, where Kim got robot legs, and then Courtney was like, I think Kim's new legs are so fun. <laughs> That's all I'm able to think about when you say that. Huh. I'm sorry. I don't know why that came to mind. I, just... I feel like Jess is Freddy Fazbear. I can see Jess as Freddy yeah, Fazbear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like Jess is Freddy. Claudia is Bonnie because she's the scariest. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I the Chica was the scariest. No, um, Scott Cawthorn was... He said the animatronic that actually scared him the most was Bonnie when he was making the game. And Bonnie is the most aggressive. He is the one who will get you the most in the first game. 
I saw a tweet the other night that was just like the animatronics they slayed and they literally just put eyebrows on Bonnie. <laughs> and that's like it. <laughs> I don't like where this is put because I don't want to be Chica. <laughs> She's what, you just, don't want to carry me? No, you want to support you know, me? I'll carry you. I'll carry you anywhere you need to go, baby. But I think that, like, I just, Chica is scary to me. You can be Golden Freddy then. <laughs> but don't I don't want Mel to be alone as the company. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be Chica. I feel like I would wear a bib that says, let's eat. <laughs> like, that feels like something I would do. <laughs> I do love the idea that, like, Chica is clocking into work being like, let's eat. Like, that's where she's coming from. <laughs> that is me when I bring a Pop-Tart no. to work. <laughs> so true. I've always said that. <laughs> Anyways, do we want to go around and say how many nights at Freddy's we give this film? So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give this only two only two nights at Freddy's. Because I've, I've said my issues before. Um, it has had the potential, and I am giving it the two because the animatronics are very good, and I love Jim Henson and Co. So that's why. Um, maybe I was spoiled by Megan, and this is my penance. Maybe I should have rated Me- Megan higher. I think Claudia should stop trying to compare Megan and FNAF because <laughs> they're two different things. Damn. Yeah, they were both um, produced by Blumhouse, but. Megan is her own slayful, like, original story, and FNAF is a beloved series, <laughs> video game series. Um, anyway, uh, I, I thought this movie was slayful, but that's just because I am a FNAF fan, sort of. <laughs> so I will give this four nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Sorry, I just you can't commit to being a fan of Five Nights. Where you're just like, I'm a fan, sort of. Because <laughs> sometimes I think about the fans. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> no, no offense to FNAF, the FNAF fans, y'all are crazy. Not me though. I'm Slay. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I, I I love that I love that Jess literally was like FNAF fan asterisk not all the time some of y'all are. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that um let's see I will be giving this movie three nights at Freddy's maybe three and a half I don't know I I thought it was fine for what it was I I enjoyed some of it some of it I was just like okay wig um I've only watched it two times, and that was the first time that I watched it, and the time that I watched it for this. And I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm good uh, <laughs> on this. I will say, standout moment in this movie for me was at the very end when he's like, "I always come back," and most people that did not know what this movie was about were like, "Work, okay, <laughs> me too, I guess." I don't know that scene. Can I just say real quick? Um, like I know a lot of people when they saw the movie, they're like big moment of being like is when fucking Matt Pat appeared and was just like but that's just a theory and then a lot of people were like ah shit and for me being someone who knows the lore of FNAF like that was my moment is when fucking William Afton is just like I always come back and I was like he said the line he said it me in my bedroom watching this movie the day it came out 
that was like me when we found when we saw that there was a female cop i was like oh my god her name's gonna be vanessa and then she was like i'm vanessa and i was like yo (laughs) (laughs) vanessa what are you doing in lockdown anyways um (laughs) i don't know if that's even the line anyways please (laughs) oh it's just freddie you're supposed to be oh! in lock- <laughs> and then and then Freddie's like Vanessa, Vanessa, and then people making up whatever like insert line. My favorite being Vanessa. I'm a material girl. <laughs> Anyways, I thought this was fine nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I've been waiting to see that for so long. Um, yeah, it's a three. Um, it's it's what three. How many? What is it? I guess it's three evenings at Fred Bear's. Three evenings. Um, anyways, I just want to talk about my favorite part of the movie, which was um, its beautiful ode to the community episode where Pierce takes a bunch of pills and almost kills himself. Via, via, via desk trap saw trap um the scene where they make the fort reminded me a lot of an early episode of community where there's a halloween party and pierce the old man takes some pills and is like oh i've got a crazy boner and i think i should end my life and so he goes into his death trap and then ovid what does the death trap look like why does the death trap remind you because it's like the fort in five nights at freddy's um it's a a bunch of desks stacked on top of each other how is that any better than when i referenced evangelion and you were like it's just like that episode of community abed i'm just saying it's equally as cringe abed is dressed as batman i'm sorry (laughs) i don't know anything about neon genesis even evangelist Got him. No, but I think it's different because Mel is just being like, oh, this just slightly reminds me. Claudia, you're like trying to like fully connect the dots and be like, this is like Evangelion. I was also making a joke. I was being funny. Sure. But what I might say, what I must say (laughs) is that I think Claudia should replace Matthew Patrick. Because it's just a theory. It's just a theory. It's just a joke. Anyways, what's your rating? Oh, Oh, me? You want my opinion? I feel like I've talked enough this episode. No, um, my rating, I think it's good that I'm ending it because I'm writing this based off of just my pure enjoyment of the movie. I am spending five nights at Freddy's, baby. Is it is it like even a good movie? I don't know, but I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I really had a good time watching it. I thought the acting was pretty good. I really liked the direction. I thought it was a fun like. It, it it did that thing that movies do where it evokes nostalgia for something that's not particularly nostalgic, like something you've never done before. It's like, it felt very fun. I also really liked that they credited the musicians in the end credits. I thought that was really cool. That's true. Um, I also really liked just, I thought that the performances were all pretty solid. And I thought that focusing the movie on the relationship between Mike and his brother juxtaposing it with Mike and his sister and having it be an ode to moving on and an ode to looking forward and to like appreciating what you have. I thought that that was a very interesting choice considering the context of the franchise. And I really liked that they switched a lot of it up. I had a lot of fun watching it. I loved the scene 
where uh, that everyone made a meme of where he's like, I'm going to be honest with you, Mike, you don't have a lot of choices with your record. I thought that here's the thing we also haven't talked about. I thought that, um, um, oh my gosh, why can I not remember his name? Who played William Afton? Oh, uh, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. I thought Matthew Lillard's performance was really weird, but I feel like he was like somehow perfectly cast for this role. Like, I don't think I could see anyone else playing that character. I feel like the casting in this movie was really good. I just had a super fun time. And yeah, there's a lot of flaws with the writing and it doesn't make sense at a lot of points, but I just really enjoyed it. Oh no, that is something that was that was I yeah. did not the living tombstones. Yeah, the living tombstones. <gasps> yes. yes. No, that was something that was so funny because I kept saying literally throughout the entire time, like before the movie came out, while we were watching the movie, I was like, if they were brave, they would have gotten the living tombstone to be in this. And then at the end credits start and what starts playing but five nights at freddy's by the living tombstone and i literally jumped out of jumped up off of our couch where we were sitting and i go oh my god they got the song the song if if they hadn't gotten the song it would have been quite disappointing like if they hadn't gotten it would have been insane it was an amazing emotion i experienced like it was not to the same degree but it felt like the same emotion i felt on november 5th 2020 like, oh it was God. certainly not to that level, but it was like the same. It came from the same part of my brain. I want to say that um, because of this movie, they are. I, mean, I don't think actually it is because of this movie. It could be because F- FNAF was so successful, but they also announced another like um, horror game that I enjoy, like getting. A movie sometime that's like they're working on production of that which is bendy and the ink machine and i'm just like thank you fnaf for um paving the way for other random horror games <laughs> to get movies which if they also don't put like fun f- like fan like song for bendy and the ink machine in the bendy movie i will riot <laughs> So true. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that is, but I will learn by the time the movie comes out. Trust me. Oh, trust me. Yeah, I'll, I'll start fucking info dumping to you guys about venting the ink machine. <laughs> guys, you know what? I'm actually really hungry. I think it's good that there's five of us. We should go to uh, we should go to this cool new pizzeria uh, and surely oh nothing God. bad will happen. Anyways. Thank you so much for joining us this week for RuPalp's Pod Race, and thank you again for sticking with us through our hiatus and with our new series, RuPalp's Day Off. Um, we will be dropping episodes of RuPalp's Day Off every two weeks, so look out for that for the foreseeable future. Um, and But make sure you're following us on Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok, yes, also Twitter, we're still there, at RuPalp's Pod Race for updates. Um, our next day off will be about, drumroll please, Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> um, not all of us will be in that episode since not all of us have played it, but the time has come. So be on the lookout for that. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, you have two weeks to play all of Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> um, if you want to ask us a question, you can send them to our TikTok, add yours Q&A, our Tumblr askbox, or email us at rupalpspodrace at gmail.com. If you really love the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, Overcast, any other podcaster that allows ratings, and tell a friend, especially with the hiatus, we need the help. Also, 
YouTube has now um, allowed you to basically add your RSS feed and subscribe to podcasts uh, officially with YouTube. So we're on YouTube now. So if your friends who listen to podcasts on YouTube, we're there and it would help to subscribe um, as another place to listen. Um, if you'd like to hear more of us, you can hear Jess as one of the cast members of the High Republic Tabletop RPG podcast for Light and Dice. You can also listen to the Mystery Spotcast where me and Ollie recap all of Supernatural so that you won't watch it again. Be excited because the the big one, the big one is coming. Um, we have links to both of those podcasts in our in our show notes. And may the force be with you. And don't crip it up. Waka waka. 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 Wa